Hi there, and welcome to the first episode of the Mead Podcast with Gosnells. My name's Tom, and I'm the founder of Gosnells, and I'm excited to be introducing this brand new podcast. We've got a jam-packed first season for you, and along the way, we're going to be talking about all things mead, including honey, yeast, fermentation, bees, and the future of the industry. We're going to be talking to a whole host of meaderies, beekeepers, mead fans, and honey aficionados. I'm joined today by a number of different meaderies from around the world, but also from Gosnell's, Ted, my colleague. Hi, Ted. Hey, how are you doing? How's things? Good, thanks. So start, let's start off. This episode is all about why mead, and we're talking to lots of different people about that. So Ted, how did you get into mead and why mead? So I got into mead shortly after leaving uni. I worked in a country pub for a while and learnt a bit about beer and other drinks, uh, and then decided it would be pretty cool to work in an actual brewery in London. Uh, not really knowing what to expect, though. But I was brought into this world of mead and honey and this sort of weird creative world that I never knew existed um, and just found it absolutely fascinating. I came from a music background and graduated from music college a few years ago, so it's a bit of a career swap. But I started off as an assistant brewer back in 2017 and slowly my role at Gosnell's formed into a more of a marketing role, which I'm really enjoying. Thanks a lot, Ted. It's good to have you on board still after, I don't know, two, three, four, I don't know, years. A long time. <laughs> So first up, we're talking to Jeff from Superstition Meadery. Jeff Herbert is one of the big names in mead, um, constantly rated top of the rankings in Untaps. And Ted and I were fortunate enough to both exhibit at the Beaver Town Extravaganza last year, but also to have some of this delicious mead. Can you remember what we had, Ted? Yeah, we had the um, we had the Grand Cru Berry, which was a really, really delicious mead. Um, a combination of four berries um, and aged in Amer- uh, new American oak barrels, I believe. Yeah, that's right. It was absolutely delicious. Um, and I also think there's a bit of white chocolate in there, which added like another level of sweetness and complexity. Yeah, super tasty. It certainly was. So thanks a lot for joining us, Jeff. Um, pleasure to have you on the show. Do you want to just start by introducing yourself and Superstition Meadery? Hey, thanks for having me, dude. Um, yeah, my name is Jeff Herbert, and along with my wife, Jen, um, we founded Superstition Meadery just over seven years ago in a little mountain town called Prescott in Arizona. And so I've been uh, doing the commercial mead thing for seven years, but it really started out as a, a side gig for me because I'm still a full-time firefighter for the city of Phoenix, and that will, uh, well, my retirement's in four and a half months, so soon oh, wow. I have one full-time job. But um, anyways, yeah, I can tell you that story later if you want. But, uh, but yeah, that's kind of who I am and, um, and why I'm on your show. So I make meat. So do you just want to tell me a little bit more about the story of Superstition and how you got started? Yeah, so um, I was uh, really interested and still am in, in travel and, and culture and stuff. And I was on a trip uh, I took to Borneo for three weeks, probably 12 years ago now. And, uh, or you know what? I take it back because I can do this math by uh, my youngest son. So yeah, about 14 years ago. And uh, one of the, uh, the, the other travelers I met um, was this cool biologist dude that happened to grow up um, really close to where I was living at the time, uh, down in Phoenix. And we uh, stayed in touch and, and his folks still live there. So he would, uh, you know, come back once a year and, uh, you know, check in with his folks, usually at Christmas. And we'd always have a dinner and stuff. And yeah, one time he brought some uh, homebrew beer over to my house, and it was just outstanding. And I was always the kind of person to drink, 
you know, craft beer, or back then we just called it micro brew, I guess, uh, yeah. versus, you know, your, your Budweiser's or whatever. Um, and, you know, and imports too, especially UK beers, actually. Uh, you'd always find those in my fridge. But, um, but I, I just couldn't stop talking about this homebrew beer. And so my wife, Jen, bought me a homebrew kit for Father's Day six months later, and I got way into it. And I was brewing a beer probably every two weeks and making mead every couple of months. And But I got into making mead right from the beginning. And I, I just knew what it was. There's kind of that classic tale of, you know, I had it at a Renaissance fair once. And I think everyone almost, you know, is, you know, at this point, actually, you can find mead, I guess, commercially. But back then, you know, there was like probably just one meat or two mead brands even available in our whole state. So, yeah. um, you know, I just knew what it was. But um, it really, the, the whole style of mead that we'll talk about here in a little bit and, and what it means really fit into kind of my interest in life. And my undergraduate degree was in anthropology. So I was always interested in history, religion, mythology, and culture. And, uh, and the more I read about mead, the more I, I got into it. And I thought that, hey, it would be really cool to have a, you know, a business at some point. And I talked to everyone I knew about um, you know, how to start a small business, because this is something that was totally uh, foreign to me. Um, but, you know, I had this whole, you know, fire service sort of background in leadership and and management that has, and, you know, really applied itself well, I think, to, to building a company and scaling up what we've done over the years at Superstition. So anyways, um, that became part of my life. And I started to look into, you know, what would it really mean to, to have a business and I saw that there was a class in Chicago at the Siebel Institute, and Siebel and UC Davis, University of California Davis, that is, are two of the best places in the in the states or the world to become a master brewer. And that wasn't in the cards for me at the time. And but they had this class called How to Start a Brewery, and so it was only three days. And it sounds ridiculous to say this, but I felt like I got an MBA in three days. <laughs> nice. I learned how to write a business plan from people who had just written a business plan and opened a successful brewery. We learned um, brewery engineering and how to run a brew pub from some of the best minds in the in the industry. It was just awesome. And then after the class, you know, eight hours of that stuff, you'd go out with, you know, there were 40 people in the class and you'd go out drinking at the brew pubs around Chicago and, and have conversations about what, you know, the other things that you learned and the beer styles you're into. And, and there was just so many lessons I learned. I came home and I wrote a business plan for either a brewery or a meadery and started figuring out what I'm going to do. And then we, we decided to sell our house and move to Prescott. So Phoenix is a really cool city for a lot of reasons. It's very modern, and um, we're actually opening a tasting room down there. I'll tell you about later. But, oh, cool. Um, but we thought that um, Prescott would be a really cool place to raise our family. And, you know, there's about 45,000 people here. It's a mile-high city. And there was, there, there still is, um, you know, a successful brewery here, but there, you know, really wasn't a, a developed craft scene. Thanks a lot, Jeff. That was really interesting. Ted and I are actually going to be catching up with Jeff in future episodes, as with most of our guests, as we touch on some different subjects. But it's from one Jeff to another, as we speak to Jeff and Terry from Liquid Alchemy Brewing in Delaware. They were very kind to host me one very snowy day over Thanksgiving last year. And they took me down to their tasting room and took me through the full range of their meads and ciders. And they're doing some really exciting stuff. So thanks a lot for coming on, Jeff and Terry. Let's start off by talking about how you first got into mead and how Liquid Alchemy Brewing was born. Well, uh, Terry and I discovered mead, um, I, I guess like everybody else, uh, by complete accident. Um, yeah. We were up in Portland, Maine, and uh, 
as you guys probably know or have heard of uh, Ben Alexander. Yeah. Uh, up in Portland, Maine. Made Mead Works, uh, you know, him along with uh, Mike Fairbrothers and a couple of, uh, we'll just call them old timers. Uh, they yeah. probably don't appreciate that, but they're old timers. Um, uh, helped start the Mead movement, um, the craft Mead movement in uh, the East Coast. And Terry and I just happened to be at a cafe that had their stuff. Um, we were <laughs> having breakfast, saw it on a blackboard. Um, and, and inquired about it. And before we knew it, we were ordering full glasses for breakfast. Amazing. Uh, and, and enjoying it uh, very, very immensely. And uh, luckily, the waitress that was working with us uh, happened to turn us on to Main Meadworks, which was only maybe two miles away from this little cafe. Uh, so we went, we took a tour, uh, we did some more tastings, um, bought a couple of bottles, and, and really kind of fell in love with the stuff. And that's just the beginning of just a, a long, long story of home brewing and then, you know, trying to maybe think about turning it into a business and then six years of hard work to sure. try to get us open. I mean, that's a, that's actually really funny because I, I first discovered Good Mead at Main Mead Works in Portland as well. So it's, no uh, it's exactly the same story, which <laughs> is funny. Ben. Ben, ben has corrupted many people. I know. It's just an amazing place, isn't it? Um, and they, yeah. they kick out some really, really amazing stuff. They really do. Yeah. And and more more so, I mean, you know, they're visible, they're out there, they're on a main drag, they're, you know, they've been able to so positively uh, get the good, good word of Mead out there um, in a good, respectable, classy way. And and I think that was one of the things that also sold us. It wasn't someplace that was just kind of on a street corner or some back alley, say, here, try this, it's, it's a good drink. But, yeah. uh, you know, they've got such a nice, classy operation. Thanks a lot, Jeff and Terry. Next up, we're talking to Matt from Always Meadery. Matt was kind enough again over Thanksgiving to show me round his meadery in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. And they've got an amazing space down by the Hudson there and a really modern facility bringing mead into the modern age. So Matt, thanks a lot for joining us. Do you want to just start off by introducing Always and what you're up to there? Sure, for sure. Um, my name is Matt Kwan. I'm one of the co-founders at Always Meadery here in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, we started a little over a year ago, and we're uh, we're all in on the mead scene, just like you are. That's cool. That's cool. So I guess my first question is, uh, how did you get into mead, and why mead? Yeah, so um, I got into mead through my business partner, actually. He and I went to college um, here at NYU uh, in New York, and um, he kind of he kind of started uh, to brew it in his dorms. Um, and that's where I met him. It, it was kind of a way for, you know, us to drink underage. And that, that was the whole concept of it. Um, he brewed dry meads specifically uh, in the dorms. And that's kind of how I got my start and in introduction into the actual mead scene. After that, you know, I was um, living in New York. We have, a, we have a vast selection of alcohol. So it was just kind of uh, me kind of going out there and trying, you know, different types of mead, um, craft beer. You know, I got into wine a little bit towards the end of college. And, and it kind of just uh, grew from that aspect of it all. Cool. Um, what, what were you majoring at the time? Was it anything related or was it something completely different? Oh, hell no. Yeah, I, I, I was doing uh, economics and finance. So it was right. completely, completely opposite of what... Uh, what my interests were but you know it's uh, they they say like what like only about half the people who go to college actually use their their degree for something that they end up going into so thanks a lot matt really really great to hear from you guys in brooklyn new york uh so i guess the burning question is tom gosnell 
How did you get into mead and how did you start off in this industry? Yeah, great question, Ted. One that I get asked more than my fair share of. Um, so I used to make cider with a friend down in Dorset. Um, we started when we were about 16 and sort of pressing the apples and turning it into booze. And over the course of about 10 years, it got better and better to the point where it, it was pretty drinkable, actually, by the end. And around that time, I was doing a kind of a boring job in the city, as most people are, after uni. And I travelled to the East Coast, so I went to Maine, and I went to a place called Maine Mead Works, which actually, the same place that were the inspiration for Jeff and Terry before. And I was just blown away by the quality of the mead there. It's the first time I'd ever had mead that wasn't really weird castle gift shop stuff that wasn't that wasn't a novelty product it was actually a really well-made well-constructed drink they were using beautiful wildflower honey from just outside the city um, blending it with local water and making this amazing product um, also the you know the science geek in me was excited because they're using this really strange or interesting continuous fermentation process which we might touch on in future episodes um, and that was it. I kind of the the idea was sown. The idea that you could take beautifully sourced honey with a real sense of terroir and turn it into an amazing drink. So I moved back to London, and that's when the ideas got going. And I guess you can only really do these ideas as a hobby for so long before you have to get on with it. And I launched the business in twenty fourteen, and we've been running it down in Peckham ever since then. Well, thank you so much, Tom. Really, really interesting to hear your side of the story. Uh, so next, we're joined by James Boycott, who is from Charm City uh, on the east coast of the USA. Um, he's running one of the biggest meaderies out there at the moment, um, and he's producing a sessionable mead in cans, which is super exciting for the industry. James, do you want to tell us a little bit about the story of how Charm City started? So I got into mead uh, after taking a college class on... Uh bees and beekeeping it was an intro to beekeeping and i was homebrewing at the time and i think i had my first taste of mead uh during that class and got so interested in beekeeping uh that i continued up through some graduate level uh beekeeping classes cool and i uh continued to make mead uh through that time uh and early on, uh, the friend and I that were really in both doing the same sort of stuff at the same time uh, started making uh, dr- a little bit drier mead, um, right. a little bit you know more refreshing. Uh, we tried a couple recipes that were really heavy and sweet, and just they were interesting, but not what I would say uh, was really drinkable. Yeah. And there was very little on the market at the time. Uh, so how long ago is this we're talking about? Uh, 15, 16 years ago. Yeah. So if you went to a specialty store, you might be able to find one or two brands uh, that if you were lucky, they were something other than grape wine with honey added. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to name a particular brand, but they yep. hail from your part of the world. We have the same problem, actually. Um, and there's, well, we've been talking a lot to a couple of other people about how we reach some sort of classification, some sort of legal definition of what mead actually is in the UK. But we're, we're a little way off on that. Yeah. I mean, we've had similar um, discussions here, but I think ultimately, um, 
it's getting consumers to understand it uh, by having good products in the market. Yeah. Um, anyway, so at that time, uh, enough friends and family kind of uh, were excited about the taste of uh, the mead we were making to kind of encourage some future stuff. And I thought, well, you know, uh, it, this is, uh, you know, this has some potential. So I kind of uh, started doing what at the time were, you know, seemed, I, I definitely questioned myself uh, as to how crazy these experiments were, but doing 20, 25 uh, parallel batches with a control recipe and different variables to learn more about uh, mead. Yeah. And, you know, what kind of things were important to making good mead. Um, sorry, we had a couple of guys just showed up. They went to an Iron Maiden show last night. <laughs> Fair enough. 5 a.m. train back. Um, we only drank three meads on the way back, so we're probably good. So anyway, um, I'm doing an interview, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's always the way. Don't worry. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, so, um, I learned a lot through those early experiments with friends about how to make mead. And was that sort of quite, like, was that kind of technically learning, like, in, like different types of yeast and different types of nutrients, or was it more kind of adjuncts and flavors? Yeast and nutrients, yeah. first and foremost, water, yeah, uh, water chemistry, um, you know, nutrient addition schedules uh you know do you add a little acid beforehand to help you know set a good um foundation for the yeast to, yeah. to do the thing it was really um about sort of getting the chemistry right and there was very little information on how to make mead out there at the time uh, i think got mead was just starting up um and a lot of the recipes that I could find were just text files uh, with, uh, you know, dump lots of honey in a bucket, add a little water and add some champagne uh, yeast and good luck. Yeah. You know, um, it. I think there were a lot of people in retrospect who were sort of feeling the same thing at the same time and working really hard in parallel because there's over that same time period an incredible wealth of information uh, has been brought forward uh, and gotme.com started by Vicky Rowe yeah. has been a major uh, nexus and catalyst for that um, it's allowed a lot of people to gain a, a wealth of knowledge very quickly and figure out what's uh, what's good and what's not. Thanks a lot, James. That was really interesting. Next up, we're talking to Nitin and Rohan from Moonshine Meadery, based out in India. They're actually Asia's first meadery. Thanks a lot for coming along, guys. Do you want to just introduce yourselves and Moonshine? Hi, so I'm Rohan. I'm one of the co-founders of Moonshine Meadery. And uh, along with me is Nitin, my co-founder. 
We're both uh, we're both based out of Pune. It's a town close to Bombay, uh, in the west of the country. Awesome. Thanks a lot, guys. So, do you just want to start off by telling me about how you got into mead and where the inspiration came from? Ironically, I think uh, uh, you guys had an article in. If I'm not mistaken, it's you guys. Uh, this is Nitin here. So you guys had an article on Lufthansa, if I'm not mistaken, uh, way back in 2017. Was it you? Was it somebody else? No, I think it was us. It's rather awkward it when like I say that, but you guys were the inspiration to us setting up the first meadery here. Uh, we so I I used to work with McKinsey at that point in time. Okay. And uh, was flying between Munich and Brussels. and uh, chanced upon the article so uh, rohan and i go back actually 33 years we are 35 years of age so we been we been good friends for a while uh, so the second i saw this and we wanted to start home brewing uh, we read about i read about meats took a few photographs landed at munich and i sent those photographs back to rohan saying you know there's something interesting happening here uh, next thing you knew uh, we came back to india and uh, we found ourselves making the first batch of mead uh, we hadn't ever tried mead in our lives uh, the first i think 10 batches that we had were our own uh, but yeah you guys were the inspiration it was the article that uh, lufthansa carried about gosnell that got us thinking about trying to start meads in india thanks a lot guys it's been a pleasure having you we're going to be hearing more from the moonshine mead guys next week and actually most of our guests throughout the series We hope you've you've enjoyed the first episode of the Mead podcast with Gosnells. Ted, have you enjoyed it? Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. It was really fascinating to hear that everyone has come from different backgrounds and that no one's really following any rules because at the end of the day, there aren't really any. Said with such sincerity, Ted. There you go. <laughs> and what have we got coming up next time? So next episode, we're talking about honey bees and how we get so many different flavors out of the same thing. So we'll catch you next time. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.